0: Welcome to the Press 1 for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Glimsdale. and my guest this week is Deanne Turner. She is a 33-year veteran at Chick-fil-A, which is awesome. Uh, World's greatest chicken, world's greatest service. Uh, She was selected as the company's first female officer in 2001 and served as the vice president of talent and vice president of sustainability. During her long career, she worked closely with Chick-fil-A's founder, S. Trua Cathy, and other key leaders as an architect for their organizational culture. Today, she leads her own organization, Deanne Turner and Associates, LLC, and she focuses on writing books and speaking to audience on how to steward extraordinary talent. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast, Deanne.
1: Thank you so much, Nick. It's great to be with you today.
0: Yeah, it's my pleasure. You know, one thing that I ask every single guest is, what's one thing people might not know about you?
1: Well, I like to think there's several. But, you know, when I get asked that question, I have a favorite answer, actually. I have a I have a very special talent Okay. Um, that not many people have. And that's that I can say the Superman call backwards.
0: Um, I'm all ears.
1: Now, do you know what the Superman I call for is? I don't. No. Look, it's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's Superman up, up and away. <laughs> OK. Well, backwards, that's. Cool. Stia Drib, Stia e on Stia naropus, Poo Poo Poo, Donna Yahweh.
0: Wow. That is some crazy talent. There is, uh, how long did that take for you to do that?
1: Not long. My husband at one time years ago, like 30 something years ago, was a youth minister. And so mm-hmm. I was always getting asked for these, you know, you know, come to the, with my talent, like I, you know, every pastor's wife is supposed to have a talent, like she can sing and play the piano and all that. I couldn't do any of those things. So since I was married to a youth minister, I came up with an appropriate talent and that was it. And that's what I use for my talent. Or when people ask me the question, what's something people don't know about you? It's like, well, I can do this unique thing.
0: Wow. That is something else. That is definitely unique that I've never heard anybody else do or probably will do in the future. So well done on that talent so i want to talk a little bit about the book uh, you got a couple of books but one of the books that i want to talk about is uh, bet on talent and uh, it's how to create a remarkable culture that wins the heart of customers so inside the book there's a whole bunch of questions i i could talk about but i'm going to pick a handful of them you talk about the employment value proposition what is it and why is it important
1: The employment value proposition, and I I talk about how I like to call an employment value promise because it Mm. indicates a lot more commitment on both parts. But it's really what you get for what you give. So what is this organization going to offer me uh, for me giving this organization my talents? I think about where talent is today, millennials, Gen Zs. So they're looking for three things. Number one, they're looking for a remarkable culture. We can break that down because that's what Bet on talent's is all about. They're looking to be a part of something bigger than themselves. They don't want to just make money for a company. They want that company to have real impact and they want to contribute to it. And then thirdly, they're looking for opportunities to learn, grow, and develop and for people to make the investment in them to do that. So, that's what they want to, that's what they're looking for an organization to give to them in return for them bringing their talents to that organization. That's the employment value proposition.
0: Yeah, I love that. Have you always bet on talent?
1: That is what I learned from the very beginning of my career, which was a long, long time ago, Nick. Over 35 years ago, my mentor, founder of Chick-fil-A, Truett Kathy. that's really basically what he taught me, that people decisions are the most important decisions a leader makes, and an organization can bet on a lot of things. they can bet on technology and strategy and marketing, uh, location, but I think the best bet is on the talent that executes and delivers on all of those things.
0: yeah, so it's a, it talks about betting on talent and, and you talk about culture, obviously it's part of the book. You know when it comes to the employee, what's the difference between a committed versus a complacent employee?
1: Well, I like to i think. I think one of the ways we get people committed is that we operate a business on principles and they get complacent or compliant when we operate a business based on rules. So I like to tell this story about my own experience. Mm -hmm. The first job I had out of college was in a workplace that was all based on Mm -hmm. rules. There was rules for everything. And, you know, for example, my boss would hover over me looking for just one error, he would dock my pay thirty seconds for thirty seconds if I was thirty seconds late from a thirty-minute mm. lunch. And one of the things he did was he took a nap every afternoon, a two-hour nap, and he left strict instructions that he was not to be disturbed under any circumstances. <laughs> one day, I was sitting at the receptionist desk, and the FBI shows up, and they tell me they want to see my boss, and I said, "I'm sorry, that's not possible." Now, why did I think that was an, a good answer to the <laughs> FBI? Well, I was so full of that rules-based culture, which I'd also call toxic culture, that I was more willing to obstruct armed federal agents than I was to wake my snoring boss. And that's what happens in a compliant or complacent, toxic environment when people are taught to keep their heads down, follow the rules, or get fired. Now, versus when you get the kind of talent that's committed to principles, which is what I had when I worked at Chick-fil-A. We had principles like treat everyone with honor, dignity, and respect. My favorite was our our model for service in the restaurants, which was make second mile second nature. And so we focused on going, second mile was about going above and beyond for the customer. We didn't tell people exactly how to do that. In fact, it's a longer story. We actually did start out doing that. And then we backed up and said, you know what works better? If we let the people closest to the customer figure out how to go the extra mile. And so then restaurant team members started doing amazing things. They were changing tires in the parking lot and jumping off dead batteries in the drive through and, and mm-hmm. driving 25 miles away to return a lost wallet with all the contents intact. They were delivering boats to people who were being flooded out of their house and jumping through drive through windows to save a choking child in the backseat, uh, going above and beyond because they were committed to principles instead of being forced to be compliant to rules. and. It changes the culture of the organization, obviously, tremendously.
0: Yeah, those are. I think we could just have a podcast episode of of you just telling the stories of what employees are doing to going above and beyond and going to that second mile. That's uh, that's amazing. Um, you know, when it comes to the employee, though, and I think well, we'll I want to put both of the employee uh, for the talent and and the franchisee. You know, I f- I feel like there, there's always going to, from what I see, and I go to Chick Fil A a decent amount. But what are the attributes that you're looking for uh, when it comes to that employee? When it comes to that franchisee?
1: When I was selecting franchisees, there's two things that I was looking for from that standpoint. Um, number one is a heart for service. In fact, I think that in most any organization, you're going to look for people that have a heart for service. Can you think of any? organization that they don't serve somebody at some point, that that's not their goal. And so I was always looking for that person who had a heart for service. And then secondly, in that franchisee, I was looking for somebody with a strong leadership track record, somebody that was capable of, of doing two things. One is being the brand in that community and representing a good name, and also would attract both employees and customers because of the leadership capability. So. You know, there's lots of things that I look for in franchisees, but that would be at the top of the list. Now, the interesting thing is that those employees that you're so used to enjoying their great service at Chick-fil-A, they're employees of those franchisees. So they're individually selected, trained, developed, managed by those. I think they have now something like 2,700 franchisees in Chick-fil-A. And so the consistency that you see comes from the consistency of selecting the franchisee. And then they, in turn, train and develop their own talent. Now, if I were a franchisee of any business and I own my own business now and I'm looking for talent, I'm looking for some similar things. I'm looking for people with a heart for service because we're going to serve somebody. And then secondly, I'm looking for people who have good judgment and have a track record of making good decisions. That doesn't mean they haven't failed along the way because every single one of us have. But I'm interested in, well, when they did fail, what did they do about it? How did they recover? What did they learn from it? And I'm looking for a track record of mostly really good decisions because if they have made good decisions for themselves, then I think they'll make good decisions for my company as well.
0: Yeah, well said. You know, you hear all of all of the success that Chick-fil-A's had. Uh, one thing I don't really know about is the retention of the franchisee. So what is that today?
1: I can't answer for today because I've been retired from Chick-fil-A for three years. But yeah. during the time that I was there for over 30 years, that retention was about 95%. I've been told it's similar um, today, and I'm sure that it is. But that's that has been over the history of the organization.
0: And what's it industry average? Do you know? The industry
1: average for a restaurant leader would be over a hundred percent. Wow. Yeah, of, uh, of turnover. I'm sorry.
0: Of, of turnover. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that's not, that's uh it's night and day. So what's the difference? Like what, obviously it, it is a start with this, the heart for service. Does it start with you guys interviewing the franchisee, making sure that they're the good fit, making sure that they get their, they have the life in order along with the servant heart. Like is it, is it everything or what else? What's the difference between those two?
1: So I have a philosophy that if you select the right people to begin with, you're able to create retention. So, for instance, when I went to work for Chick-fil-A, I had no budget for separation of franchisees or corporate staff. There was no budget for that. There were no exit um, interviews. There were no um, outplacement services, You know, severance package, nothing. And so I went to talk to the president about that, and I asked him some questions. And he said, well, we don't plan on making changes. He said, you have a healthy budget for selecting talent, don't you? I said, yes, I do. And he said, well, the the idea is that you're going to select the people that won't want to leave and you won't want them to leave. And so um, that was, you know, for me, that's my philosophy. If you take the time and the effort on the front end, you'll have a lot less to worry about on the back end. And by the way, it's a whole lot less expensive, obviously, even though it takes a lot of time and expense on the front end to select talent. That by the way, not just that I want to work for me, but that they want to come because 50% of the decision is still their decision. So it has to be the right fit both ways. And if I put that effort in the front end, then the back end um, will take care of itself. Now, specifically, you asked me about franchisees and, and um, Chick-fil-A franchisees. And I think part of what's great about their model, some things that Truett did, one is he didn't cap their income. He didn't say that you... You know, will make too much money. He had a business deal that said, "You sell all the chicken you want, and the deal stays the same. You still mm. get, um, you know, the percentage of the profits that are that are in the deal." So, I think that's one thing. I think another thing is the environment, the opportunity to be with an organization that does value, that does treat you with honor, dignity, and respect, that has the kind of culture that starts with a meaningful purpose. You know, a big why they exist, which is to impact the lives of others and, you know, to have a challenging mission and big goals to reach together and to be a part of that. And then to be part of an organization that has core values that are demonstrated throughout the organization. To me, that's what a remarkable culture is, is those three things. Chick-fil-A has had that, and I think that's why they're able to attract and keep the talent that they have in a competitive market. Does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your client's pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24/7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. So people know, I would assume, other industries in general. It doesn't have to just be the the industry that Chick-fil-A is in but other other industries kind of pay attention to what Chick-fil-A is because they're uniquely different uh, for the right reasons. What makes it, what's the reason? I know you can't just generalize, but, um, you know, is there reasons why people don't invest like uh, Chick-fil-A invest into their people?
1: Oh, sure. This is hard. I mean, it, you know, I I joke about when I wrote my first book, which is all incorporated in bed on talent. My first book was called It's My Pleasure, but that Book is out of print and all that material is now in Met in, on Talent that you refer to. And I talk about it, it took 50,000 words to write what it took 50 years to create. This is hard work. It's hard enough just to define your purpose, mission, and values, but then to actually put it in place and make it believable because you're so consistent day in and day out. And then the other thing that happens, you know, even with selecting talent, why don't people put more effort on the front end of that so that they'll have a good long-term result there? again, it's the stresses of the marketplace. I need somebody today. I have people working overtime. I have an open slot and the customer's not being served. I've got to get a warm body in there. I can't I can't take this selective approach to getting talent. I don't have time to do that. So yeah. that's what gets in the way is, is reality of life. And that's why you really have to commit to those things, stick to them. And then once you it, it, you know, it's kind of the flywheel effect. Once you've created it, it doesn't mean you don't work at it all the time, but you <laughs> keep that thing going rather than starting and stopping. And that's what happens with a lot of organizations. They don't put the effort up front end. And even if they do get successful, they think they've accomplished it and they back off when instead they need to be doubling down on it.
0: Yeah, I call it the easy bake oven method- Is You just set it and forget it. It's so easy. Uh, mm-hmm. You just you put the cookies in, they come out in 30 minutes and, and you're done. Uh, it's not you have to continue to lean into that regardless of how uncomfortable it is at the time or change is not fun doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. I think the same is true with you think of professional athletes. Professional athletes don't necessarily train because it's enjoyable. They they, they train because they want to be the best. Right. And uh, I think the same is true with organizations like Chick-fil-A. So, Bet on Talent is an amazing book. And and one of the, the biggest thing about it is culture. So, when it comes to organizations, who owns the culture?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great question. First of all, the CEO owns the culture. And then everybody owns the culture. Yeah. But I think that accountability is with the, the top leader. Because if they don't believe it, if they don't, Um, help develop a a meaningful why in this uh, purpose for the organization, if they don't help create a goal that everyone wants to rally around, if they don't model the core values of the organization, then culture is not going to stick. But once they have it, then it belongs to everybody. You know, so if you're working in an organization and the culture is not great, you have to look and say, well, what contribution am I making? And people often ask that. They say, well, I'm not even a leader in my organization. What can I do about it? Well, you can start where you are. You can influence the team that you have. And the te- you know your team might be a small three or four person team. Do you have a meaningful purpose that you're pursuing as a team? Do you have a mission you're all, a goal that you're all going after? Do you have core values that are part of your team and are you living them out together? Because that's how those things start. And you get one team that does it and you get results. And then the next team says, you know, that looks like that's a pretty great department or function or team to work on. I'd like to create that in my own team. And then you can really spread that um, positive change throughout the organization.
0: Yeah. When it comes to mentoring, how important is that to you?
1: Well, I think every, everybody needs a mentor from the time they start their role. You know, and it's really important when you're new in an organization and you're at different points of transition. But when you're new, you need that mentor um, to help you navigate a culture. Because no matter how great a culture is, you still have to learn how to navigate it. You have to understand the unwritten rules and how things get done and how decisions are made. And a mentor within the organization will help you that with that. As you grow, you need a mentor. You know, when you get your first leadership opportunity, you need somebody to help you that's that's wise to be a great leader. Um, There are times you need people from outside the organization, especially the higher you get up in leadership. You need people to give you a perspective that's not necessarily the same perspective as you see inside, but helping you see things from the outside. So the next question is people go, well, how do I get one of those people? (laughs) Well, you ask, and sometimes you're going to be told no, because people only have so much bandwidth and they can only, um, you know, usually, most leaders I know, they'll commit to, I'm going to mentor X number of people each year, and that's what they do. But you start by asking, and then, then you need to be a good mentee. And what does that mean? Well, it means you do all the work. You don't expect the mentor to figure out what the schedule is and, and schedule all the meetings. You come to the meeting with the questions you want answered and the topics you want to discuss. And by the way, it's a great idea if you send that ahead of time so they can be prepared. That's how, that's how you can be a good mentee, make it easy for the mentor to mentor you and want to continue mentoring you.
0: Yeah. What about the opposite? So you, you continue to grow in your role regardless of if you started at the, at the church as, as a, as a pastor's wife and, and, uh, and that you end up getting a job because you get introduced to somebody who, because your husband changed the tire of somebody else all the way up to, uh, the role that you were at in the world you're in today. What about the helping people along that journey that are a couple steps behind you?
1: Well, it's personally important to me and a lot of leaders that I know. You know, we do want to help people, um, you know, reach back and give them a hand and help pull them up. Um, I think that I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't have some of those significant people in my life. And I want to remove some stumbling blocks and obstacles for people. It's like, you know, the important thing is to get wisdom and to get and the only way to get wisdom really is through experience. But it doesn't have to be just your own experience. It can be somebody else's experience, too. So I think that it's um, incredibly important. It's a responsibility that we have as leaders uh, to offer that wisdom and that experience to those who are coming behind us.
0: Well said. So the last question I have on the book, Bet on Talent, is what does loyalty mean to you?
1: I think that's, uh, that's a term people don't like anymore. Like they, don't, they really don't believe anyone's loyal to them, so I don't think they're loyal yeah. to other people. But to me, loyalty is it's showing up when expected. It's being someone that people can depend on. It's until, I, until proven otherwise, I trust you. I'm willing to follow you. I am willing to um, kind of put my stake in the ground here, if you will, to say that, you know, I can be part of this organization. I have staying power here um, as long as we're in this mutual relationship of trust. And I think that's what happens with loyalty, whether it's in a personal relationship or it's in your relationship with an organization. When trust gets broken, that's when loyalty gets broken. But until that point, I think that, Um, To me, loyalty is about being all in for something I've committed to.
0: And is it all in one way or is it a two way street?
1: (laughs) Well, I'm hoping it's a two way street, but not necessarily these days. But I do think that loyalty tends to attract loyalty. And I think that, you know, what I see with a lot of young people is they're waiting to see the payoff before they'll be all in. And my encouragement is, I think you're more likely to see the payoff if you'll go ahead and be all in. And you yeah. know what? If you don't get what you expected in return, you'll still be better off because you will have um, you will have achieved some results that you needed to achieve for your career. You will have created some relationships that'll be helpful to you. I mean, the worst that happens is the loyalty is not returned and you go do something else with the skills you gained while being all in. But when you hold back, And you're waiting for, well, I just want to know what I'm going to get out of this before I give it everything. You know, you think about being on a sports team. I have sons that play college football. They never had the choice of deciding if they were going to be all in or not. If they weren't all um, willing to give it all that they had, then they were going to sit on the bench no matter what, right? Um, And so you you have to jump in, give it what you have, see what happens. Even if things don't work out exactly the way you wanted, you still end up with a set of skills and new relationships that I think you'll find beneficial somewhere else.
0: Yeah, I love that. So I ask every guest uh, at the very end two questions. And the first question is, uh, what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year? And then the second one is, if you could leave a note to all customer service or customer experience professionals that's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m., what would it say?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, the first question um, is so hard to narrow that down. But I'm going to tell you the leader that's probably impacted me most in the last year has been Kerry Newhoff. And Kerry um, is creating a lot of leadership content right now. A lot of it's um, for churches, but it's useful for leaders of all kinds. But here's it, that, it, Kerry's content is great. And he has a brand new book out, At Your Best, that I highly recommend. But that's not why I he's influenced me. Kerry has been somebody who's encouraged me. I left a career just like he left a long-time career, and he's been very successful in some of the same things that I'm doing, writing and speaking and creating content and coaching. And Kerry's one of those people who's just willing to share and willing to, he has, in my opinion, he has one of those abundance mentalities, which is there's enough for everyone. So I'm going to share my platform. I'm going to share my knowledge I want to help you, Deanne. And at this stage in my career to find somebody like that, um, I'm trying to be that person. And I feel incredibly grateful to have met someone who cares that much to do that for me. So that's why Carrie's been um, influential for me. Now, that customer service, wow, there's there it's all over the place. But I have to tell you what I'd really, the note would really say um, right now, because, and it would be, thank you. And this isn't what you were expecting. It's not to tell you how to give better customer service, but it's actually, thanks for showing up. Thanks for being there. Thanks for serving me. Um, I've had a couple instances this week. I know I was just so grateful. One of the, I was on the phone with my favorite airline and they were helping me with a problem. It was kind of a complex trip I was trying to put together. And and she repeated herself and she said, I'm sorry, I've already told you that I've been working a lot of overtime. And I said, you don't need to apologize. Thank you for being there to help me. to take care of me today. I'm glad you told me twice. Now I'm sure I know what I need to know. (laughs) And so that's what my note would say is just, these are hard times and people are not being nice to you sometimes. And I just want to thank you for being there.
0: Yeah. I love that advice. Uh, Deanne, what's the best way for my listeners to get get in touch with you?
1: First of all, my website, deanneturner.com. That's D-E-E-A-N-N-Turner.com. And then uh, you can find me on all the uh, social media. Well, not all of them, but find me at uh, my <laughs> Facebook author page, which is Dn Turner author on LinkedIn, on Instagram at dn Turner, at Twitter at dn Turner. And uh, you can find my book, Bet on Talent, on my website and all the other popular places. And my brand new book is Crush Your Career, Ace the Interview, Land the Job and Launch Your Future. And you can find that wherever great books are sold.
0: I love that. Go out and buy Deanne's, both of her books. She's a rock star. Deanne, thank you so much for for your time today. I wish you nothing but the best and uh, continue to be that servant leader.
1: Thank you so much, Nick. It's been my pleasure to be with you.
0: Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing it with them by giving them a link of this episode or directly from your app. And last, if you'd like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, go to press1forNick.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit
1: cxofm.org for more resources.